0: Welcome to Tech on Reg, the podcast that explores all things at the intersection of law, technology, and high regulated industry. We're talking fintech, regtech, sextech, and more with thought leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world to share insights, trade viewpoints, and get us all thinking about responsible innovation. And here is your host, Dara Tikowski. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Tech on Reg, the podcast that explores all things at the intersection of law, technology, and highly regulated industry. I'm Dara Tarkowski, your host, and today we also have a returning co-host to the show, (laughs) Randy Rivera, Executive Director of FinTechs and founder of Keen Advisors. Welcome back, Randy.
1: Thanks, Dara. Lovely to be
0: here. And before we get started, a very quick word from the sponsor for today's episode, BAI. Uh, BAI is a nonprofit, independent organization delivering the financial services industry's most actionable insights, including research, thought leadership, and training, enabling today's leaders to make smart business decisions every day. A sincere thanks to BAI for all of your support. And for those of you looking for some great free content, definitely check out BAI's webinar series covering all sorts of topics in FinServe. Very easy to navigate and register at BAI.org. You may see yours truly on one or two of those. So (laughs) definitely check that out. So why are we here? What have we seen so far for 2021 in the cryptocurrency market? Have cryptocurrencies finally been receiving the mainstream acceptance that they've been seeking for so long, which in turn is poised to drive mass adoption? GoBankingRates reported that the value of the cryptocurrency market has hit Two trillion, what was it, as of yesterday, and with Bitcoin accounting for about half of that market capitalization. As of this morning, Bitcoin, which broke 60, 000, uh, which broke their $60,000 ceiling last month, uh, stood at around 58 grand, according to CoinMarketCap data, and its valuation stands at around 1.1 trillion. Nothing to sneeze at. Ether, the second largest cryptocurrency, recorded an all-time high nearing 2100 last week and is up more than 180% year to date. And that was according to CoinDesk. So not just cryptocurrencies, but blockchain technology itself has witnessed a huge rise in popularity uh, in 2020 and moving into 2021. Multiple industries expressing an interest in finding applications for the technology to enhance business operations, processes. And while credit for this could largely be given to the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, That's certainly accelerated digital transformation across the world. So what does all this mean? The size of this global blockchain market is now expected to rise from $4 billion in 2020 to a whopping $39.7 billion by 2025. With such optimism in cryptocurrency, 2021 is definitely likely to be another amazing year for the crypto market. So you may be asking, what the hell does this have to do with Opportunity Zones? You may have heard about them. Opportunity zones are economic development tools that allow people to invest in distressed uh, areas in the United States. And what is their purpose? Their purpose is to spur economic growth, job creation in low-income communities, all while simultaneously bringing those ever-important tax benefits to their investors. Thousands of low-income communities in all 50 states and the District of Columbia and five U.S. territories are designated as qualified OZs. Taxpayers can invest in these zones through qualified opportunity funds. Our guest today, Jimmy Odom, is going to explain that to us as well as to provide some perspectives on the different levels of attention and energy that the crypto markets are presently receiving as opposed to maybe when he started in the business. So, again, joining us today is Jimmy Odom, co founder of Bit Capital Group oh my gosh, I just talked way too much. Welcome to the show, Jimmy.
2: <laughs> hey, everyone, Dara, Randy, it's a pleasure uh, to all of your audience. Thank you for the uh, opportunity to kind of communicate this. Um, it is very much an exciting time just from, you know, economic development, um, POV, but also just from a, you know, computational or mathematical industry and in computer science. This is probably the most exciting time that I, since I've been alive that this technology has provided so many areas of improvement for society and for humanity. So really excited to get into that today.
0: Awesome.
1: Yeah, Jimmy, we appreciate you joining us today. Uh, what I'd love to do before we jump into the meaty matters, because I think that uh, I got to know you yeah. a long time ago in Chicago um, when you, were with some of yeah. your prior companies. How does a serial entrepreneur discover crypto before it was so hot as it was today? I know you and I have had many moments yeah. of discussions around crypto <laughs> um, and you always are passionate about it, but maybe you can give us a little a little sense of how, how you came to find it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I have to give uh, uh, all of the credit to my co-founder who ironically is also named Jimmy, so Jimmy Thomas. He and I met many, many years ago at Apple Retail. This is when I was in the Midwest uh, focusing on customer experience. Um, and so Apple would send me around you know, three months at this store, focusing on customer experience, three months at that store, three months at that store, uh, et cetera. So during one of those tours, that's when I met my, my co-founder, Jimmy. He's a, he like to say he's a recovering lawyer, right? So he's a lawyer by trade, but it was him who gave me my first exposure to, to Bitcoin. I did not pay attention at the time I was running uh, my startup. We deliver here in Chicago. And I just didn't have the mental bandwidth to handle any outside models, industry. So I didn't pay attention. So I like to always say that that was also my kind of birth into this space. I didn't really pay attention to it the first three times he told me about it. And so it was not until I started working at the governor's office that he came around the fourth time and was like, you really need to pay attention to this. And at that time, I was able to look at, you know, uh, what the current government system is was in the fifth largest state in the union, how they handle contracts. And it was because of that exposure to procurement that I knew when I heard about Ethereum, I was like, yo, this is going to be bananas for humanity. And so,
0: Jimmy, what governor was that?
2: This is uh, our past governor Rauner. So right before J.B. Pritzker, who's our current governor. In the great
0: state of Illinois.
2: Yeah, great. Fifth largest state in the union. And so I started off as a senior policy advisor on economic development. Under Rounder, so the Department of Commerce. So I was really focused on writing policy, economic development. And I also then co founded uh, Illinois' private public partnership. So the P3 Intersect Illinois, I was one of the co founders. And for those that may not be familiar with economic development, what oftentimes happens is you have a nonprofit organization that sits in between the legislature, as well as the private businesses. So an organization goes out and recruits companies to build inside of your your state or city or county to create jobs, to you know uh, help navigate all of the regulation. And so it was at that unique place that I was exposed to opportunity zones uh, because of the, the program itself and what that meant for states. And so that was really how I got into crypto was, again, because of my co-founder, he had been in so early, and he was really telling me uh, about it because he knew I was in technology, but I just wasn't hearing him. And so I wanted to say to the audience, don't feel discouraged. You know, all pretty much all of us, when we first hear about crypto, uh, we just are passive about it. Uh, and I hope that your fourth, fifth time that you hear uh, like Randy, you finally pay attention. Uh, I paid attention <laughs> the
1: first time, Jimmy. I paid attention the first time. You did, you did, you
2: did. I'm not gonna lie, you did.
1: But what we're seeing across the industry right now is just adoptability and in a and in a in and u- utility of uh, crypto in a way that we haven't seen before. I mean, Venmo, Apple yeah. Pay. Uh, I just heard yesterday or this morning that Wealthfront is incorporating cryptocurrencies in their portfolio so they can track the asset classes. Um, mm-hmm. That's a lot of noise, Jimmy.
2: But this was always going to be the case, right? So I think the the biggest challenge that I have against anyone that spoke out so aggressively against cryptocurrencies, whether you are Jamie Dimon, whether you are uh, uh, Charlie Munger, who just recently, you know, just had his little uh, uh, hissy fit uh, over the week. Uh, I think it's because you've not exposed yourself to the underlining technological advancement that these that these systems hold. And I think those of us that did their diligence what you found is that there is nothing that has ever been invented that's like this from a cryptographic standpoint we talk about exposure to breaches and security through platforms like you know uh transunion data you know data breaches equifax breach etc etc uh when you look at the fundamental elements of crypto what we're talking about is cryptography that is what we're discussing we're talking about what happens when cryptography meets money or information and money. So Bitcoin, which I think gets thrown over most heads is Bitcoin means bit as an information unit, which goes back to the likes of uh, Claude Shannon discussing information theory. So we're talking about information money. What happens when information and money are brought together and secured cryptographically so i think it's difficult to just look past it and say oh no that's a fad that tells me that you've not done your homework when i hear people discuss well i think if
1: if people think it's a fad i mean Go put on cnbc it's on the bottom right the bitcoin price i think it's we're all past that stage you can't put that genie back in the bottle but as an operator in the business how do you stay focused and i mean we're going to get into what you're building because i think it's really a unique angle and, and pretty interesting for investors Thanks. and also people that want to get serious about committing to the space long term but as a founder in an industry with so many moving parts, and um, I'm sure your phone's blowing up every time there's a movement in any kind of currency. How do you stay, fo- walk me through how you stay focused as an operator right now,
2: um, given all the noise? It's a really good question, and I and I think that um, you have to have a ground I think that's the only way that you can stay uh, dedicated and directed, what's your true north? And so for my co-founder and I, we focus holistically around the emergence of this term called proof of work meaning the evolution of a system that's based solely off of uh, competition. That's it. Free markets. This is com- competition. So when we chose to enter into the space, we were saying, OK, well, this is an evolution in societal interaction, this contract between humans. Um, what does this lead to? And so well, you have to you know, educate yourself on where you came from, which means what is money? what is technology what defines markets what is you know what is economics how do governments you know surround themselves around those principles and then kind of project out where does this go and so after you've you know after we did that we focused on where humanity will end up not asking permission or asking for opinions and perspective saying we fundamentally believe these things to be true and so we're ju- we, we jump out ahead and there's just time dilation if you've ever seen the movie interstellar we're talking about matthew mcconaughey he gets closer to the point of gravity or, or the black hole and time changes for him than it did for everyone that was back on earth right so an hour or a day was equivalent to 20 years um, 23 years, uh, for those on earth. And when you get closer to the center of gravity being Bitcoin time just operates differently. And so we are able to see things a lot more clear. And so we just build with that in mind and know that the rest of the society will eventually catch up to us. And so that you just hold true. For all of
0: my listeners, that was Jimmy's way of saying, uh, that he and his partner are thinking a lot faster and moving a lot (laughs) faster than the rest of us right did i did i did i uh translate that properly some of it yeah, yeah all did. Right. thank you so okay, much perfect
1: dara can i borrow your legal brain here for a little bit because jimmy's talking about moving a lot faster um but from your perspective in financial services because you work with clients across various uh, industries but what are the concerns that clients have, or that institutions in the financial services space have, when they hear about technology that, that they quite possibly may not understand?
0: Oh, oh, this is fun that I get to be a guest on my own show. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer this question. Um, <laughs> awesome. So, obviously, uh, former recovering banker Rivera, uh, you know that the very large financial institutions. Uh, inertia is the enemy so when they've been doing things of the same way for a very very long time it's sort of like moving the titanic you know um you know it's easier to it's easier to make those changes and adopt uh, true technological change when you're like a pt cruiser and you're not like the titanic uh so so that change mm-hmm. is just generally always hard and then from a financial institution's perspective when you have you know Every regulator and the entire alphabet soup of regulations, uh, you know, to 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 bind and to dictate your every move. You're always very concerned that how is this change, whatever change it may be, going to affect me from a regulatory perspective? Am I doing right by my customers? Are the regulators going to understand? Are they going to be happy? Yeah. And for a really really long time, at the federal level, at the state level too, but particularly at the federal level. The regulators just were so silent about crypto, and they were so silent about the uh, blockchain. I think that's very much changing with Gary Gensler as the new head of the SEC, yeah. um, a lecturer who has not only understands blockchain technology and the implications of blockchain technology, but has actually taught it at MIT. Um, I think that is fantastic um, for the markets in general. But you know, I know we're talking about crypto right now, but i think it's important for everyone jimmy i'm totally interested to hear what you think about this is that the underlying blockchain mm-hmm. technology that is the fundamental basis for you know the crypto markets has so many far reaching and widespread applications that are actually incredibly compliance friendly you know jimmy alluded to the data security part of it before i you know as a practicing lawyer i love the idea of smart contracts Making sure judges, you know, understand how those work yep. uh, is going to be, you know, another challenge. But there are so many things that this technology can be used for to actually enhance compliance um, from financial services yes. to any highly regulated industry. Um, so, but like, change is hard. Banks don't like it. A lot of people don't like it. But here we are. Gary Kensler is going to make us do it.
1: What's your thought on that, Jimmy?
2: Yeah, I think they're spot on. I mean, uh, if we question the incentives or the motives from anyone that's a proponent against this technological advancement, you quickly understand it has nothing more than to be motivated by uh, uh, protection, right? I want to protect the system that I've come to dominate. I'm I'm the de facto standard. All things cascade, or value are derived from from my products, right? And so the last thing I want is, is to your point, uh, uh, Randy, to learn something new or try a new emergent system. Or I don't want to deal with that. I, I I'm comfortable, right? And so that's all it has to do. It's it's fear, right? It's driven by fear, and it's fear that you will then be usurped or your authority is no longer as um, you know uh, cast like as cast or as gold tendered as it was for the last several hundred years right. right the likes of JP Morgan Chase if you say JP Morgan Chase from a financial side you slap that on a masthead you're going to get anything you want right but in this new system JP Morgan Chase actually is at the backside of the emergence right right and so i think that's all this has to do with and so you know daras point is you know you've got imagine just the impact of smart contracts on the legal system corporations that are essentially autonomous that they are levers whether it be as a shareholder or or a a co-founder or a board member all of these transactions are programmatically facilitated imagine the amount of inefficiency that we remove from a system and that value then goes elsewhere and so you know there's no question that whether or not this is valuable for humanity or we as a group of people humans Evolve, evolve as a result of that i think that's that's a it's a given that question is who has the incentive to stop that emergence from manifesting and i think you just quickly they've already identified themselves every single person that's that chose to speak out against and did not educate themselves or their their customers i think that's They've already kind of painted themselves, and and that's what proof of work will do right. to you.
1: Well, let's take let's take that because I agree. I mean, I think it's it's pretty well documented what people's opinions are, and now, um, in the, the fact of the matter, the how fast the technology is evolving. If you are just picking it up now, you know you miss a lot of the context and a lot of the learnings that came from the the, the progress and 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 the involvement. But in this case, what you've done is you take in. Um, with with your business now to kind of go back to that you've taken this technology yeah. this tool um this cur- this currency bitcoin and you're melding policy to create a new product yeah you know i mean uh yeah. tell us a little bit about um the bit capital group and you know what you've done what you've been doing over the last two years especially the last 12 months in covid while you've yeah. been hiding
2: yeah i've been you know i again, I, I can't thank you guys enough for just allowing us to have the ability to have this conversation. It's a very nuanced industry, right? To talk about crypto and then to talk about opportunity zones, they, like, you know, they don't marry. We were the very first fund that's ever been created in, underneath this program to, to facilitate this. And so, you know, I, I owe it to, you know, Governor Rounder for pu- exposing me, confidently exposing me to economic development and then putting me in a, in a position to help design systems that will foster more business creation in, in inside of the state and so it was because of that when i was exposed to ozones i was like wait a minute like this is the most massive program in the history of the united states it's bigger than fdr's new deal that's how large opportunity zones from a structural programmatic standpoint have the ability to impact the united states on and what do i mean by that is is essentially what you've done is or what the irs did is they created an incentive to private investors to fund the development of america so instead of the government saying we're going to tax more citizens to then build out infrastructure let's allow the in those who have to incentivize them the carrot and the stick to develop communities that's really the program that's a, you know this the simplest way and so no jimmy ahead. i think oh, I, I i
1: i get, i, I I mean, you framed the program really well, but I mean, there are some yeah. cynics out there that really say that the Opportunity Zone program—this
2: can be cynics anyway. Fair, but like, I mean,
1: I think some of their points are are valid, right? Like, where is the impact in the communities? And I think because of the nature of the—I can tell. So so let me kind of let me I, I, let me I'll frame this a little us. bit because I think Real, it's important. Sorry, yeah. I'm you know.
0: really excited for the crypto cynics and the ozone cynics to like, right. converge, and then we have it's like all almost the cynics, to well, all no, it's the cynics it. in, one, in one spot.
2: That is the yes. They're gonna just look in the mirror and be like, this oh, is probably, are, they, this are they the same
0: person though? I don't know that they're the same probably person. Not. I'm
2: just I, they're probably not I don't not. know I'm
1: I think I about. feel like there's a Reddit <laughs> group right now being created as we write as we as we speak on this pod, podcast about um the the lying.
2: You know the cynics are not on Reddit. They didn't, they've never visited Reddit. They don't even know what the stats right, are. Um,
1: so, but let's talk about it because the challenge with the opportunity zones is it's a yeah. long term incentive program. You're talking about committing capital for ten years. Absolutely um and you know in communities yeah.
2: where change has not been their friend so I, I just argue that investment's not been flowing in that direction the entire program was determined by each state's governor as to where they would identify those underdeveloped kay. areas census tracts remember only 10% of land in the united states or i think it's 11% are coordinated as opportunity zone tracks. That's a very, a small portion of America. And what these governors had to decide was, what areas do we want to foster new development? And so whether like, you know, whether it be a a private company or an individual investor, you're telling that person, listen, the only way you can get the advantages of the program is to lock in capital inside of the development for 10 minimum of 10 years, right? And so in addition to that, you have to substantially improve the product, meaning that 60%, over 60% of the real estate has to be spent, or I'm sorry, 60% of the capital at the value of the real estate has to be invested in that, that, that property. The network effects of that are are gonna be astronomical. And so I think that's what we're talking. That's really at the program's heart, that's what we're discussing. It's not a tax haven. I think anybody that talks about opportunity zones being a tax haven, uh, that that's just, you know, it, it's very short sighted and not understanding how investors are deploying. Oh, capital but Jimmy, centers.
1: it is a tax tool. It is a tax planning tool for certain.
2: It's an incentive program. The alternative was that you had investors that may have had a capital gains uh, benefit and they could have just deployed that capital back into the market right immediately what incentive did they have to invest on the far south side of x city or rural america so our fund the bit capital Opportunity Zone fund and we i'm sure we're going to get into that very later but we only have identified rural america to develop emergent computational clusters within and that's very technical but just saying we're building high-tech data centers Compute data center. So that means it's the next evolution of compute is computing. It's not storage, it's compute. So we're investing that only in those places that have seen zero economic development, period, period. So if we were not the company coming in and partnering with that county, the city, the city council, the residents, what other companies were coming in and saying, oh, let's spend $40 million and to do a development here? It just where do you happening. envision This is so where do you envision
1: have- the where do you envision ahead, these, these 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 communities Jimmy so I mean you've you've been in it now obviously you're actively talking to investors I'm sure you're also talking to places to deploy the capital so walk me through how you're yep. prioritizing that and again I'm gonna come back I'm gonna come back yeah. with another question from a cynical point of view not that I believe it but I think it's a point of counter That's okay. argument but where walk me I through agree. where you're looking at putting those um, centers
2: well, I, I feel I feel Dara has something. I, I saw her. She was like, oh, she was gonna um, jump in.
0: So I think before we get before we get into your question, Randy, which is a good one, um, I think listeners sort of need to understand better the structure of what Big Capital is actually doing. Oh, yeah. So Big Capital yes. is raising money, right? We're raising money. And the purpose <laughs> yeah, of that raising money are. is to deploy it in the projects that you guys think are the right opportunities exactly. within these opportunity zones to build these fancy-schmancy data centers, as you, as you call them for the purpose, mm-hmm. um, uh, for the purpose, uh, of operating in the cryptocurrency space, right? Like high level, high level, so, high yeah, level that's, that's what's uh, happening.
2: Uh, so, so I want to add a little bit more color. So, but you're spot on. So we are currently raising capital only from accredited investors, right? So if you're not qualified as accredited investor, I'm sorry that this program does at least our, our fund uh, can't work with you, but uh, for anyone curious, you can go to bitcapital.fund. So that's bitcapital.fund. And what you'll find is that um, our primary objective, and this is the way in which we, we view it's a cascading uh, value structure, right? So first and foremost, by our presence, does a community experience economic growth, development, and long-term maturation because of us being there? First, so job growth. We have to create more jobs in our cycle of deployment than all projects that had been previously uh, activated. That's kind of one of our personal stipulations. We're the very first crypto fund that has existed in, underneath this program. So that's the first thing. That is our kind of value structure. It's so first job growth. We are only partnering with the community to facilitate that. So we're not just running in and saying, hey, let's just build a data center. No, it, it, actually, it's a, collaborative process, which is what I learned from economic development. So from Intersect Illinois, that's what I learned is that you cannot have a private company come into a community and build out and expect to be successful. You also can't have the the edicts from the legislature determining what success looks like. It has got to be a collaborative uh, experience. And so that's the second. Thirdly, is that are we able to turn these rural areas into what we are calling computational corridors. That's our own term. So what we mean by a computational corridor is if you are at the front of an emergent industry and this industry has not been defined, meaning that every day a new evolution takes place, that means that there's no boundaries on what you can create. And so what we want to do is to allow our projects that we deploy our capital into to really become economic hubs for that region. So can you imagine a scenario where, where rural central Washington essentially turns this you know underdeveloped region into an economic hub where entrepreneurship surrounds them? The universities are connected to the council, the city council, and the private company and the citizens, and they're all facilitating inside of this one central region. Well, that's everywhere across the United States that we can create these renewable opportunity structures. That's the kind of the structure. And at the end of it. Our investors, our LPs or limited partners, experience a massive economic benefit because of this program. So, you know, their job is to deploy, give us capital, that we partner with the city, the county, the the residents, and then our technology to then foster economic development for their benefit, but also the long-lasting benefit of the communities that we serve. Aside from us, there was nothing happening here. That's the thing I want every skeptic and cynic to consider. There was no incentive or what incentives did companies have or private investors have to go into rule washington rule arizona rule illinois and deploy 50 to 100 million dollars of capital please show me where this money went yep. for over the last yep, 25 Randy, show years them. what was show me that so before you critique this program before you critique bit capital group Before you critique any of us that are deploying capital, I challenge you, show us where that money was going in rural America, and then you can have a conversation at the table as to why we are not so valuable. Until then, allow us to work, allow the entrepreneurs to create value, allow us to stimulate the the regions of the country that have not experienced your money, and then we can, we can talk. So what about I'm
1: that. hearing is you're pl- deploying capital across all the states, particularly in rural areas, right? Which have historically been left out of the conversation of invested capital That's right, nice. and creating jobs. Yep. So yep. You, I understand in this particular space, nobody's done it, but have you seen opportunity zones work in such a unique way to the benefit of those communities in any, across industries? not necessarily in crypto
2: i so you know i I tend not to you know that i I learned something when i grew up You know, i was growing up my mother would always tell me jimmy don't count other people's pockets so i don't tend to look at others in this space we know how unique our project is and that's kind of a tunnel vision there so if we look at our project and our scope and our deployment we we don't believe that there's anyone else that'll probably touch us in terms of economic growth and development, because of how unique our project is and our program is, right? Um, and so I, I can't speak to everyone else, but I do know that there are some that are doing some really cool stuff, um, but I, I don't, again, I'm not i am not tracking them in that and regard. Then, this is how you said, you asked the question earlier, how do you stay right. focused? In an emergent industry, you just blinders, man. Just focus on your thing and let everybody great. do and Now,
1: um, so rural is great, but then I have a question in terms of urban markets, right? Because I know a lot of leaders, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, Chicago is a great example. We have communities that are, uh, you know, hungry for job creation, and... Uh, for invested capital in the communities, especially things as rich as uh, data centers, um, where, you know, for fact mm-hmm. is you, the fact is you're going to have sustainable long-term leases in some of these buildings, which may or may not, may, may not yep. be at their optimal use right now. Um, how have you tackled the question of what are we doing in, in, in the inner cities, Jimmy?
2: So, you know, again, our, our project, we've experienced a lot of growth and in investment into to cities in, 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 you know, higher populated cities like Chicago, Seattle, New York, you know, et cetera. So that was a purposeful choice not to, you know, allow my brain and my partner's brain to be creative around what opportunity zones could could create. And so we wanted a very unique case that if we did not exist, there was no activity gonna happen. And that was like how we chose to go and attack the problem. And so to anyone looking at investing in, in communities, I think that you should be driving from that POV, that perspective of if I did not deploy this 5 million, would growth happen? Is there any other scenario where growth would have happened? I think if that that's something that I, I track myself and I think that's allowing me to have just really pride and joy about my work.
1: Jimmy, I think this is all really, really interesting and I um, really appreciate just the novel approach you're taking towards. Thanks. Um, the opportunity that exists within Opportunity Zones. Because while I ask the cynical questions, it's not that I don't believe, I just think that people out there um, push back a lot on what Opportunity Zones can do. Uh, I'm curious, I mean, you've been at this now, I know you're talking to various different investors, what are they saying? I mean, how, what's the excitement out there for these type of projects and what kind of questions are they asking?
2: What I'm noticing, these are good questions, Randy, and thank you again. Um, I, I think what we are mostly seeing is a lot of education about the program. Many did not understand opportunity zones. They were not uh, communicated. I think politically motivation, uh, political motivation, was probably behind that. Uh, and so, you. A lot of our conversations are really us building FAQs, webinars to teach investors what opportunity zones are. Right. Secondly, um, it is what's our what's the impact for those that once they hear about the project, they are very curious about what's the impact and we can give them very specific dollar deployment and then um, job creation and then tax benefit for the communities that we're that we're investing in and i think that's how we measure our success We're like one how many jobs are being created what are our tax revenues that we're creating for that local community because we know where those taxes can go and what the benefit is of that and then lastly is Obviously, like, what's my return? (laughs) What's my return on my investment? And then, oh, oh, there's one other. Uh, How long? And 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 to your point, a lot of them get a little bit. Oh, wait, it's a ten year hold up. And I think to your point, Randy, it's like I don't think it's long. Exactly, and that's why I'm saying to most cynics and skeptics, like, you're not taking into account that capital has to be locked up, and we're talking five to ten to two to. 20 million that gets locked up for that length of time. And so I think you cannot undervalue what it's like for an an investor considering that period of time in this industry. So those are kind of like the four questions that we get most frequently. We're finding that once you express the the value of the project to them, I think afterwards most are, and I would say most being over 60% seem to be okay with the length of time because of the way we've structured our fund. that they understand the value that's derived from those uh, that capital lockup. So, you know, opportunity opportunity zones will fit a very conscientious investor, those that want large growth ROI potential. I think that's where they're going to find. Otherwise, they just won't deploy that capital and they'll just go ahead and pay that, that that tax, you know, taxation. And now maybe under President Biden, that could get as high as 50 plus percent. And so if you imagine what that's like for an LP making the decision for their capital gains tax. I, I think you know bigcapital.fund is the website that you're gonna need to visit because otherwise uh, you want that capital to go to work as opposed to uh, being inefficiently deployed uh, by the government.
1: And so what's the math, Jimmy? Like what's the back of the envelope math, um, in terms of the return profile? Because I imagine that <laughs> just like why I did I know
0: that question was coming? Why? Why did I know that question was coming?
1: I need to know. You no, know, the reality is you're you're treading you're 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 setting up a new a new you're trailblazing, right? You're yeah. creating a yeah. new a new pathway towards return <laughs> and you know remember, just, i remember i spent 17 years as a banker so i'm i'm going to naturally listen, say I, there's I will risk
2: say this. i'll say this so there's I've, a risk premium right sure sure and i'm going to charge you for that just know that right so i'm taking you're going to charge me per, for putting yeah you you're personally. charge me our fund manager hey you get you're going to get charged so our returns are are incredibly healthy i'll say there's two things i'll say uh, if anyone's interested i i encourage you again visit bitcapital.fund go through the signup process and you'll get access to the deal room. That's the first thing. Number two is Randy. I will say this. You put my fund against any PE fund on the planet and I will crush them for return on investment. I will crush you, Oof. your fund. Period. Jimmy, Jimmy's going to crush them. Any fund you put me up against, I've got five and a half years of real actionable data to trust that. Right. Thirdly, I'm gonna charge you for that. I know how valuable we are, and so we're gonna charge you. It's like it's it's two two percent, uh, uh, management fee with a thirty percent carry after your six percent hurdle. I think really reasonable, uh, uh value. But remember, we we know what we're bringing to the table, and and you're gonna definitely pay for the benefit of really maximizing that that value. So um, so
0: so by so by the way, every everyone you know, Jimmy knows this. Randy knows this too. But for listeners this is because it is an opportunity zone investment. These are not, this is not a a regular old prospectus that you read and do I want to invest in this company or not. Um, Make sure to talk with your lawyers, make sure to talk with your tax advisors and understand what the total calculation looks like. Um, The IRS (laughs) created the incentives for a reason. Um, The program is nuanced and it is complicated. Um, So make sure you've got you know, your other professionals around you so you can understand your entire equation. Not that yes. the stats that Jimmy just rattled off aren't incredibly impressive, but they're only part of the equation. They're not all of the equation. Now I feel like I've done my lawyerly duty.
2: No, that's fine. I'm with my you. Show. I, I'm just telling you how much I'm going to charge you. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I, is, that's what I'm charging. Right? I don't think like, any, <laughs>
1: Jimmy, I don't think anybody has a problem if you're a capitalist and you believe no, in no. no. Right. Nobody has right. a problem with earning and paying a fee that's earned. I think what you're going to, what I'd be curious about is, what are the return dynamics and how are they You got to come look it. Like, I
2: think, Dara, Dara mentioned. So there's two things. You you got to come visit the website uh, first and foremost. Go through the process, and then lastly, uh, you've got to connect with your your uh, accountants as well as your legal counsel.
1: Just to wrap it up, Jimmy, I think you're right. You got to get the right. You have to get the right team together. But um, you leave you leave a very interesting opening here for learning a lot more about um, both opportunity zones and crypto and i think that i got to tip my cap to you because um you really were able to use you know both your network with a tremendous partner it sounds like you were able to understand a unique opportunity and build a business around it so i'm looking forward to uh reconnecting once this pandemic uh kind of dies down in person and uh hopefully continue to celebrate your success this is a really really i joked when i saw you first seeing you smile is um always been one of the fun things of 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 getting to catch up with you but it's very clear to me you're doing what you're doing with passion and love and most importantly appreciation for the opportunity
0: by the way uh for those of you listening this is a podcast you guys can't see Jimmy smile but it's a really, really good smile.
2: <laughs> they can't see it. They can't see the smile.
0: They can't see it. They can hear the joy. They can hear the joy. You know, yeah. I think anyone who listens to you or has been listening to you talk about crypto over the past several years, Jimmy, sees the joy, feels yeah. the joy, um, and it's so genuine. Um, yeah. Thanks. Uh, and I, you know, congratulations um, on a really, really innovative business. Uh, I'm sure you guys are going to see nothing but success, and we can't wait to see what the next 10 years Uh, looks like. Um, And I'm sure you're going to be working with lots of very, very happy investors and communities around the country um, as you go and uh, deploy all this capital. Um, Thank you everyone for tuning in to this episode. Thank you to returning co-host Randy Rivera, always entertaining uh, as usual. Um, Again, make sure to check out uh, bigcapital.fund. Also make sure to check out Um, Our incredible sponsor's website, BAI.org, for all of their upcoming free content. Thank you guys so much. See you next time.
1: Peace.